Hey guys, Paul back again for, for the second episode of the Complete Personal Training Podcast, the whole new one. So just a reminder, uh, if you could, any ratings, reviews, etc. on iTunes or any of the podcast channels would be much appreciated. Uh, forgot that this is a whole new podcast, so all ratings, etc. have disappeared, unfortunately. That's okay. I'm sure they'll get back up there again if I provide high quality stuff for you guys. So on that note, let's get right into what we have to do and what we have to achieve. So today, uh, we're going in the second episode of nine mistakes I made while running a gym, and we're up to mistakes four, five, and six. And I had good response to this. I've had lots of messages from people uh, saying not to beat myself up too harshly, saying DC was awesome, and they really enjoyed going to it, and it was a fantastic gym, they haven't found anything like it, etc., etc., etc. And that's really cool to know that in spite of the mistakes, which is what I'm trying to share and hopefully people learn from, that we still did some good stuff. And I know we changed a lot of lives and we helped a lot of people. Uh, it's just a shame that the mistakes that we made led us to not being able to do that forever and ever. Although not things things aren't meant to last forever. Um, you know, nothing is lasts forever. There is a finite life cycle to pretty much everything in the universe. Except this is one form of bacteria. But anyway, uh, <laughs> these mistakes are still something that I feel very passionate about sharing and passing on to my students to make sure that they don't make the same. So let's get into it. Now, the fourth mistake that we made was selling before building the service. And that one sounds absolutely insane uh, when you consider it. And yet we did it. So to be clear, we knew what we were doing. We were going to make a semi-private personal training facility. And we certainly succeeded at that. We had 400 clients doing semi-private PT, which to my knowledge, I don't know any other facility that has been as big having 400 active clients at one time doing that, meaning 400 people through the doors each day doing training sessions with trainers in a semi-private environment, at least in Australia. I don't know of anyone who ever got that big doing it. Um, so we certainly succeeded for that, but we didn't have a clearly defined service offering before building the service. It was, you pay this much, you get this many sessions, you get all this coaching, follow-up, etc., etc. And it wasn't defined. So it wasn't defined how much nutrition coaching the client would get, how it would be delivered, uh, if it was individualized or group. It was kind of like, we're just going to work out what that person needs at the time as they come through and wing it. Uh, in terms of the program, the sessions were just kind of like, cool, one, two, three, four, five, six. There, was way too many options there. Hey, you want one-on-one? Yep, we can fit that in. Don't you worry about that. We'll make it happen for you. Um, you want to get a discount because you're training with a partner? Sure, we'll make that happen for you. We didn't have our program design system finished. We didn't have our nutrition coaching delivery system finished. We added and took away stuff all the time while we were selling things. And services do need to evolve. They do need to change. They do need to get better. And it's a good idea to scrap stuff that doesn't work and to add stuff that you believe will but not at that kind of level. Like at one point throughout the gym, we repriced the whole thing and actually discounted everything. So we had an income drop because we had to tell, I say 50 clients that they were paying too much. Hey, we're gonna give you a discount right now. How's that sound? Great for those clients, terrible for us in terms of, uh, you know, having cash flow, which is the most important thing in the business because we decided we'd go for a whole new price point in selling clients due to increased competition, the error out which was a massive oversight because we were better than the competition. Absolutely, 100%, hand in my heart, stand and swear by that. So what I recommend the students now is if they do want to sell something, 
you really want to define exactly what it is, how you're going to run it, how you're going to offer it, what your terms and conditions are, stick to those and then stick to your price. And it's pretty easy to do before, after that. It will give you clarity in what you're trying to do. It will give you certainty in your sales process because you'll be saying that this is what you're going to get, etc. And it's going to allow you to create effective boundaries between you know your clients, your staff, your clients, and yourself. I have clients messaging me all the time for questions. I have staff messaging me all the time because people weren't clear on what it was. Now, the next thing we focused on and we made a mistake with number five was sales before retention. We were awesome at sales. We were awesome at getting leads. We had 100 consults a month, like fairly high level stuff going on. But we had so many people coming in that we weren't paying as much attention to people going out. So we'd have a client come in, they get a result in four weeks, but we wouldn't put in the necessary effort to keep them on board because we had so many people coming in. If someone didn't come in after the first two or three sessions, we'd go, all right, cool, they're lost, it's not worth the effort. Reason being, we had so many other clients that we were focusing on at a, you know, for sales and stuff like that, there was only so, so much manpower we could actually do. So if one day, my record for consultations was 11. 11 new clients to meet, greet, indoctrinate into the system, assess and write programs for in one day. An absolutely insane day. We converted all those 11 clients, which is you know a great boost to our revenue, but the next day we had seven people. The next day we had four. While dealing with all those new clients, adding in seven, 11, what's that, 18, uh, for 22, 22 clients in a week, which is a fantastic week in terms of your cash flow, but if you don't have the retention systems in place to make sure those clients go beyond that initial four, eight, or 12 week period, it's essentially a short-term boost and then you have to go again and put more money into marketing and outgoings. If we spent a lot more time on retention and limited our sales and actually created like a I guess a forced scarcity where we'd only take on like say 15 people a month, we would have had slower growth, but we would have had a lot more consistent growth and we would have had a much higher retention rate. In from running a business perspective, the longer you have clients, the better off you you are at running your business. And then the last mistake we made, and this one probably falls on me more than anyone else in terms of people who work there. So yeah, uh, this is on me more than anyone. Uh, so it's not sticking to values. Uh, we would do things sometimes to make money, uh, which is part of running a business. Uh, it happens, we'd work with clients that we probably shouldn't have worked with. We'd take on scenarios where we, uh, we'd get involved in scenarios we shouldn't have been. We took on business partnerships and strategic alliances that we shouldn't have. We worked with a chiropractic studio and they came on board they rented out space, which was good because we were getting rid of dead space in the gym. It gave us more to offer, but I didn't really resonate with the actual practice itself. They're in multiple areas and I didn't resonate with the chiropractor on site. There were a lot of fundamental disagreements with uh, how I thought people should be uh, rehabilitated and we were very successful at doing rehabilitation versus what they were doing and some of the ideas just didn't mesh and it created conflict and that conflict carried over to the running of both businesses. Uh, it's not saying that my way of rehabilitation was better or their way of rehabilitation was better. It was just never really clarified and the values of the two places never really meshed. So my staff, for example, were kind of like not inclined to send referrals because they didn't really believe in what they were doing compared to what you know I would do in my rehab sessions with clients. 
and vice versa the other way. They would bring people in, but they weren't, they were working with a different type of clientele, like more of a fitness and sport clientele, and they didn't want to refer them to us because we didn't train people in a fitness as sport type environment. We did a different type of training. So there was a lot of unnecessary, uh, unspoken conflict. And the reason that they signed up, well, was if I didn't, if I actually stuck to my values, it wouldn't have happened in the first place. So that one was my fault. And that was one of many decisions that we made as a collective that I didn't stick to my value set. And if I did, it probably would have been much better to drive the business in the future anyway. So guys, that's episode two of No Mistakes I Made While Running a Gym. Uh, stay tuned for the last episode where I go through the last three mistakes of the main ones that I'll talk about. And again, if you could rate, leave, leave a review on iTunes or anything else like that, social media, whatever you can do, it is so appreciated. Thank you so much. And any questions, guys, let me know and I'll answer them in a future podcast.